Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Yes, Jesus 911, Soul Patrol two man car, Jess Romero, Paul Clay. Today is the feast day of St. John of the Cross. Pray for us. And today, obviously, we're in the season of Advent, uh, anticipating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, ready to enter the Christmas season. And also today, uh, today's, uh, in today's psalm at Holy Mass is Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Alleluia, alleluia. Hey, okay. There's an incredible article that I want to share with you. I'll redact it, make some comments myself and Paul. The article was put out by LifeSite News. It's called Pope Francis, A Trajectory of Power, Betrayal, and Controversy. It's written by Henry Sire, who's a, a journalist, an author, and he's written a book, actually, it's called The Dictator Pope. It came out about six years ago. But he's part of the Order of Malta. And this is an organization that has clo- close links to the Holy See. And the fact that he's part of this Order of Malta, uh, not very many Catholics get, get asked to be part of this order. These are like the uber-Catholics, the super-Catholics, very faithful, uh, known for their uh, defense of Holy Mother Church, uh, I know, I know men that have been asked to be part of the orders of Malta. And this is the island where St. Paul evangelized 2,000 years ago. And so the fact that Henry Cyrus is part of this order, it speaks volumes about him. It says that this guy's one of the SWAT team, SWAT team of the Catholic Church. So me and Paul are going to share w- with you what he says, because I think it's worth sharing. He says, Pope Francis is an old man in a hurry. He's desperate to institutionalize his revolution before he dies, and he'll stop at nothing to achieve that. Over the past 11 years, we've all seen Pope Francis pontificate in a trajectory of accelerating descent into more and more overt betrayal of Catholic doctrine. But I must say, I did not foresee the Gadarene rush we have seen within the last three months. I would like to add some details to the picture of Pope Francis, which I gave Henry Sires in my book, The Dictator Pope, which was published six years ago. I arrived to work in Rome on April 2013, less than a month after the election of Pope Francis, and I lived there for the next four years. I was working for the Order of Malta, an organization which has close links to the Holy See, and I began, and I quickly began to hear the reports that were privately coming out of the Vatican. They showed a very different Francis from the genial liberal figure who was being presented by the world's media. Insiders were saying that as soon as the publicity cameras were off him, Francis became a different figure. Arrogant, Dismissive of people, given to foul language, and notorious for furious outbursts of temper, which were known even to the Vatican chauffeurs. 
Paul, want to pick it up from there? Yes. <clears throat> Decided to start work on the book. The first thing I was I, I did was to make a trip to Argentina, which I did in March of 2017, to speak to people who could tell me about Bergoglio's past record. This was the information that had been sadly lacking to the Cardinals when they elected Cardinal Bergoglio in 2013. In particular, there was a very revealing book which had been written shortly after the, the papal election, but which had been quickly stamped on and had since become almost unavailable. The title was El Verdadero Francisco by Omar Bello. The author was a public relations executive who had known Bergoglio personally over the past eight years, having worked for him in a television channel run by the Archdiocese of Buenos Aires. As a professional in the field of public relations, Bello was quick to recognize in Bergoglio a master of self-promotion. He also described a man who was accomplished in covert exercise of power and the manipulation of people. For example, in 2011, the Spanish journalist Francisco de la Cigonia published an article describing how Bergoglio was building himself a network of power in the South American hierarchies through followers he had planted in various departments in the Vatican. That is how Bergoglio proceeds to generate a network of lies, intrigue, espionage, mistrust, and most effective, uh, and more effective than anything, fear. Bergoglio is a person who above all knows how to generate fear. However, much uh, he, he may he may work carefully however he may work carefully to impress everyone with an appearance of, of a plaster saint austere and mortified he is a man with the mentality of power hey jess let's just stop right there and make a couple yep. of comments yes wow wow uh that's, you know, a, a lot is being said here. And, you know, this this is the kind of information that a lot of people may be offended by. And, you know, they don't want to hear this. But I just want to remind, uh, number one, this is out there in the public sphere. We're yeah. commenting on it. Um, I don't know uh, Pope Francis personally, but there are a lot of people who do. And just this is just not coming from one particular source. There are many, many, many people who are uh, uh, extremely upset about what's going on. And so um, this is something, whether we like it or not, we as Catholics, we have to deal with it. Yeah. I, I, I just want to remind people that when Jesus speaking to his 12 apostles, he said, did I not choose the 12 of you? yet one of you is a devil. You see, if you're wondering, is it possible, is it even possible that somebody uh, could ascend all the way to the chair of Peter and, and somehow 
be working, uh, you know, uh, against the Lord. Well, you don't have to look any further than Judas. Judas, he, you know, he was with Jesus during his three-year ministry, following him along the way. And all the while, he had his own ideas. And I just want to remind people that that's okay. Um, Jess, I was given a Bible study recently, and and somebody asked me, how did the serpent get get in the garden? And if God is, you know, God and he knows everything, why? Why did he allow that? Well, it goes back to the very basic answer, the catechism answer. Why does God allow evil, Jess, in order to bring about a greater good? You see, that's what God does. God allows certain things. He allows us to exercise our free will in order to eventually bring about a greater good. Yeah, the catechism answers that as well. The new catechism as well as the old. The new catechism says in paragraph 600, To God, all moments of time are present in their immediacy. When therefore God establishes his eternal plan of predestination, he includes in it each person's free response and free will to his mm. grace. Couldn't have said it better. In, in, this, in this city, in fact, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So for the sake of accomplishing his plan of salvation, God permits the acts that flow from their blindness and even their evil. Yes. Permissive will, yes. God's permissive will. And God, and God is yes. working out his, his perfect plan of saving those uh, who cooperate with his grace to be saved. He's working his plan out for them. Yes. And so when you, we look at things like, oh, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene. Well, yes, that's true. But what, unless the Antichrist comes on the scene, Christ doesn't come to vanquish him, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is all within God's plan. And Amen. so you, you don't need to panic, and we don't need to, um, uh, I, that's the only way I can say it, we don't need to panic. God well, is I'll on the throne. I'll tell you why, because just like the boat, the boat may be rocking right now, and people think that Jesus is asleep. He's not asleep. He's uh, he knows exactly Amen, what's happening. And uh, every one of us, we seem to be panicking. Oh, no, the bark of Peter are taking water. Jesus is in control. Everything is happening according to schedule. He's not asleep. Let me continue Amen, the brother. article. It says, for example, in 2011, the Spanish journalist Francisco de, de la Sigonia published an article describing how Cardinal Bergoglio was building himself a network of power in the South American hierarchies. Through followers he had planted in various departments in the Vatican, this is how Bergoglio proceeds to generate a network of lies, intrigue, espionage, mistrust, and more effective than anything, fear. Oh, you already shared that, right, Paul? Yeah. All right, we'll pick it up. Next segment, Jesus 911. Uh, article written by Henry Sires. He uh, worked in the Vatican for four years. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. Let me uh, remind people of the Code of Canon Law. This is what this is what's binding upon every Catholic. Canon 212. Quote, in accord with the knowledge, competence, and preeminence which lay people possess, lay people have the right and even at times a duty to manifest to their sacred pastors, that's a pope, bishop, or priest, their opinion on matters which pertain to the good of the church. And they have a right to make their opinion known to other Christian faithful with due regard to the integrity of faith and morals and reverence towards their pastors and towards the common good. That's what we do in this show. Yeah. We, uh, and the Bible also says uh, that we're called to, uh, St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, let me open up my Bible here so I can quote it directly from Scripture so I don't, <clears throat> um, so I don't misquote it. It says, Have nothing to do with the fruitful works of darkness, rather expose them. That's what it says. Mm. Okay, let's go back to this article. It has a lot of good meat and potatoes, and we'll make some comments. Uh, Henry Sires, author, and uh, he worked at the Vatican for four years uh, as a journalist. He says, when I was living in Rome, I began to hear from journalists of a document called the Colvin, the Colvinbach Report. It was a report that Father Colvinbach, the general of the Jesuits, had written back in 1991. It was rumored to be distinctly unfavorable. Father Kolvenbach accused Bergoglio of lack of psychological balance, deviousness, disobedience, cloaked under a mask of humility, and habitual use of vulgar language. He also pointed out with a view to his suitability as a bishop that Bergoglio had shown himself a divisive figure while provincial of the Jesuits in Argentina. After 11 years of the Francis Papacy, we can, fa- we can fairly say that Father Kolvenbach had got him completely right. One of the first things I heard about Bergoglio when I went to Rome was from an Argentinian priest who said, what you've got to understand about him is that he's pure politician. Francis' politics are modeled by the great figure in Argentina in the 20th century, Juan Perón, who was the dictator of the country from 1946 to 1955, the years in which Bergoglio was growing up. One Argentinian who had been a pupil of young Bergoglio when he taught at the Jesuit school in the 60s, on the strength of a lifetime's personal knowledge, he described Bergoglio to me as a man for whom power is a mania or a sickness. The first revelation has been, has been about the financial malpractice involved in Bergoglio's government of the Archdiocese of Buenos Aires. I mentioned earlier the article by Francisco de, de la Sigonia, about the network of power that Cardinal Bergoglio built up in the Vatican, but we need to add that. But we need to add that 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 network was made possible by the deployment of large sums of money. The ability to transfer large sums to the Vatican coffers, which would which would give a churchman would give a churchman enormous influence. Cardinal Bergoglio did this through his control of the, the of the Cal of the Catholic University of Argentina, which had a rich endowment of $200 million, specifically between 2005 and 2011, some $40 million were transferred from the University of Argentina to the Vatican in a transaction which was supposed to be a deposit, but which the Vatican Bank promptly proceeded to treat as a donation. 
In 2009, 11 years into Cardinal Bergoglio's rule as Archbishop, Pope Benedict ordered a secret visitation of the Archdiocese by a Monsignor who was sent there ostensibly as a diplomatic member of the Papal, of the papal Nunciature, and he uncovered grave irregularities, including money laundering and mafia links. Mm. Go ahead, Paul, pick it up from there. The archdiocese that Cardinal Bergoglio headed was thus steeped in financial wrongdoing. Uh, okay, so the Pope, uh, he has shown in many instances that he has no scruples in protecting clerical sexual offenders. Uh, regardless of the supposed zero-tolerance policy he professes to enforce. Okay, we're, okay, so I think it is worth offering a general generic explanation of this strange laxity, which at bottom is rooted in the macho sexual culture of Latin America. This culture contaminates the, the clergy themselves very often among these Latin Americans, and indeed among the Italians and others, there is an inclination to treat the less tolerant view of sexual wrongdoing as a manifestation of Anglo-Puritanism. With this attitude, the sexual corruption that has been rampant in the church and in the Vatican has little hope of being reformed, and in fact, has grown far worse under the present Pope. When I wrote the dictator Pope, the state of my information led me to give a picture of Bergoglio as a man with certain defects of character, which ought to have been known to the cardinals when they elected him in 2013. But in fact, the reality is far worse. Now I am not accusing him of being himself financially or sexually corrupt like the clerics he protected. I hark back to the journalists of De la Signonia's description of him as working carefully to impress everyone with the appearance of a plaster saint, one has to admit that Bergoglio has always been personally austere, indeed, ostensibly so, but he has combined this with a policy of surrounding himself with morally weak and corrupt persons precisely so that he could control them and build up his own power through them. And this policy uh, has continued throughout his pontificate. That's a powerful line right there. That <laughs> he, he surrounds yes. himself with morally weak and corrupt persons. I mean, the, li the list is very long. I don't want to bore people with the list uh, for the last yeah. 11 years. But mo yeah. a, lo a lot of the people that surround him uh, are uh, have sexual corruption allegations, sexual corruption baggage, uh, or financial corruption. And, and, uh, and, and these are the ones that Pope Francis, basically they were in the dugout. Pope John Paul II and, and Pope Benedict sidelined all these guys. And these guys all came out of the, of the dugout and onto the playing field. Uh, when Pope Francis came into, in, in uh, when he became the Pope, he, uh, and these were the men that were sacked by the last two popes because the last two popes knew that they were bad clerics, Paul. You know, Jess, uh, you had shared with me that some of the listeners 
had actually contacted you and uh, and accused us of uh, really uh, bad sins regarding this uh, reporting. But here's the reality, Jess. Um, how do you explain, uh, like you said, the dismantling uh, and, and the sidelining of holy prelates uh, who have a, a lifelong history of, of, of being holy and defending and holding on to the, the perennial teachings of the church and the rising up of people who are essentially bare minimum guilty of uh, really mercy. <laughs> yes, right, correct. Um, let me pick it up here where we left off. But we need to look at the situation that existed at the conclave of 2013. After the surprise abdication of Pope Benedict XVI, it was generally recognized that the church was facing a crisis and Cardinal Bergoglio was explicitly elected to make reforms, particularly in three areas. Firstly, the worldwide scandal of clerical sexual abuse, which had gravely undermined the church's moral authority. Secondly, the morass of the Vatican finances. And thirdly, the moral and political corruption within the Roman Curia, of which Pope Benedict XVI had received, had received crushing evidence in a report presented in December 2012. In all three of these areas, Pope Francis's pontificate, far from delivering reform, has made things infinitely worse. In the area of the Vatican finances, it looked at first as if Pope Francis was espousing genuine reform. He appointed Cardinal Pell, one of the good, great Orthodox cardinals, with wide powers to reform the finances of the various Vatican departments. But within two years, it became clear this, that this was an empty promise. The audit of the Vatican departments that Pell, Cardinal Pell had launched was canceled. And it was canceled by two of the men whom Pope Francis himself had put into power. Cardinal Perline as Secretary of State and Cardinal Bichu. The most notorious aspect of this clampdown was, was the way Cardinal Pell, a great man, was, was got rid of. In 2017, he had to return to Australia to face historic charges of sexual abuse for which he was sentenced to prison until his conviction was quashed on appeal three years later. By that time, it was too late for him to resume his post at the Vatican. This is every, this is every reason, or there is every reason to believe that the Australian prosecution was instigated and assisted by figures in the Vatican as a means of stopping his reform. And Cardinal Bichu has been specifically named as the agent of this policy. Wow. Paul, pick it up from there. Wow. Um, when it says, when we turn when, to the reform. Yeah, yeah. When we turn to the reform of the Curia as a whole, the experience of the past 11 years has been just as disastrous as the financial story. And the reason is that Pope Francis's interest is not in reforming the Curia, but in controlling it. As I mentioned before, he has always exercised his control by appointing morally weak and compromised characters to office. And they become his unconditional, thus, in the first half of his pontificate, we saw the few individuals of of we saw the few individuals of real integrity in the Curia removed one by one. Sarah, Mueller, Pell, and an unparalleled collection of clerical villains took their place. 
And Jess, that is absolutely true. <laughs> That's exactly uh, what I just 100, Yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, and so it goes on with one scandalous appointment after another, which plunged the moral reform of the Curier even further into the realm of impossibility. Yet the world's media, which so savagely attacked Benedict XVI at every opportunity, have remained silent in the face of scandals which would have destroyed any other papacy. The real, the, the reason is simple, that Pope Francis gives them exactly what they want. Now, isn't that the truth, Jess? I mean, he is towing this uh, global warming, woke agenda um, uh, that the world wants to impose as a yoke of slavery on, you know, uh, on, on the people. Correct. Uh, like, like no other. Paul, Paul, he's torn the line with the World Economic Forum. Yes, yes, the, the, with the likes of Klaus Schwab and, and you know, and oh, I, we could go on and on. Hold, hold that thought. Looking. Hold that thought, my friend. We'll be right back. Jesus nine one one two man car. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Pray for the Pope. Pray for him every single day. Now. Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol two-man car. The Bible says, speak the truth in charity. Ephesians 4.15. That's higher than canon law, by the way, scripture, and just in case somebody's wondering. And the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love rejoices in the truth and the bible also says in john 8 32 you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so as catholics uh we must be people that doggedly pursue the truth come what may and again as paul said there have been some very holy men that have been uh that have the same concerns that we have. Me and Paul are not the only, just like isolated here. Uh, uh, you know, obviously Henry Sire, who wrote this article, we have concerns about what's happening with the Holy Father in the Vatican, but we're not the only ones that have these concerns. Okay. Cardinal Burke has these concerns. Cardinal Brandmuller, Cardinal Kafara, Cardinal Meisner, Cardinal Pell, Cardinal Seurat, Cardinal Mueller, Cardinal Zen, Archbishop Jacobis. Uh, Archbishop Ganswine, Archbishop Vigano, Bishop Strickland, Bishop Snyder, Bishop Barron, Father Gerald Murray, and and hundreds and hundreds of Catholic lay theologians uh, and lay people, we've asked Pope Francis, we don't understand what you're saying. This is ambiguous. Can you please teach us the deposit of faith once and for all delivered to the saints? That's all we ask. Yeah. Getting right back to the article, Paul, if you can pick it up from there. Uh, okay. Trying to, um... I'll show you where I'm at. It's, uh, uh, the reason is simple. The Pope, the Pope Francis gives them exactly what they want. They're looking for a Pope who will weaken the church and bend it to their own secularizing agenda. And that's exactly yeah. what Pope Francis is giving the world or the media. That's why they don't attack them. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, pick it up. Yes. Yes, it's from the, from um, yeah. the first, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from the first, the gallery 
from the first, the gallery to which he has been playing has been the secular media, together with the woke intellectual and political establishment. And again, uh, the author says that he he's basically a master at that. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, and for and for their sake, he espouses every fashionable secular cause to the detriment of actual Catholic teaching. His words and actions have been calculated exclusively to win the approval of the world, and he has succeeded entirely. Mm. So entirely so entirely that he could afford to ignore any other constituency and to get away with a clerical cronyism and corruption for which the media would have savaged him if it had not come from a conservative if it had come from a conservative pope hey jess this reminds me of exactly what the uh, the left wing uh media here that co-signs everything that the democrats do in this country, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and any other uh, 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 disturbing thing that that a Democrat does, the media glosses over it like nothing to see here. Yeah. But when it comes to uh, conservative values, uh, values uh, you know that they don't ascribe to, they invent things. They uh, they attack. And this is the, uh, this this is the same thing you see going on within the church. And by the way, Paul, the the, the mainstream woke media, what they cons- consider conservative values is anybody who has an authentic biblical world view. That's yes, what they call absolutely. That's what they that's unacceptable conservative values. Anybody who has a, a an authentic biblical world view. Hence, the FBI was investigating Latin mass Catholics and pro-life Catholics <laughs> you know? and pro-life Catholics. Yeah. yeah, both of them yeah. have a biblical yeah, yeah, view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conservative Catholics, but in particular, they were in, you know they were yep. they were basically in the in the Latin mass parishes. Okay, yep. a corollary of this is his drive against tradition. Pope Francis realizes perfectly well that the only obstacle to his revolution comes from traditionalists in the Catholic Church. The only element with any backbone prepared to recognize that the emperor has no clothes. Hence, the campaign he has waged throughout his pontificate against so-called rigid and backward Catholics, whom he derides at every opportunity. There it is right there. Mm. Uh, We all know that the real scandals in the modern church are what the real uh, scandals are in the modern church, but the only ones that bother Pope Francis are those of priests following tradition. Hence, also, his promotion of Cardinal Roach to the prefect of divine worship in place of Cardinal Seurat and the motu proprio tradition to undo the work of Benedict the Sixteenth. Wow. And, you know, in Samorum Pontificum, by the way, you know, Jess, um, uh, that to me, <laughs> the motu proprio traditionis custodis, it's almost like an oxymoron. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's 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 exactly the opposite of that. You know, the guardians of tradition, they're not guarding anything besides novel ideas and uh, to push an agenda that the modern world is comfortable with. 
Yep. Yep. It's Modernism 101. It says here, it has been remarked that the Catholic Church is the only institution in, in which men in their 70s and 80s are continually telling people in their 20s and 30s that they need to get with it. <laughs> it suits Pope Francis to pretend that Catholic traditionalism is a matter of priests liking to wear cassocks and to use incense in church. But he knows very well that it is a matter of doctrine, of the deposit of faith, of the perennial philosophy of the church of the treasures of spirituality. And that is why it is an un unbreakable obstacle to a Pope who tries to lead the church into the paths of modern secularism. What have we seen in the past three months is the scandals of Pope Francis' papacy in their most concentrated form. I'll begin with the scandal of clerical ab sex abuse and cover-up, of which the most blatant example has been very much in the news. This was the case, which I'm sure you've all heard of, of the Jesuit Father Rupnik, who has been accused of sexual abuse of the most horrendous kind of inflicted on religious sisters of whom he was supposed to be the spiritual director. The abuse included appalling sacrilegious elements, which I will not get, go into. And that had been going on for decades. Yeah, he was raping nuns, de-virginizing nuns. Yet the Jesuits mm. failed to do anything about it. Earlier this year, they decidedly, they decided belatedly, that they had better be without Father Rupnik and expelled him from the society. But the protection of him continued on the part of the Vatican. Father Rupnik had been found guilty of the serious canonical crime of absolving one of his sexual partners in the confessional and had incurred the automatic penalty of excommunication. But the excommunication had been lifted within a month, not only at that, but at precisely the time Father Rupnik was invited to preach a retreat within the Vatican itself. Father wow. Rutnick is, in fact, typical of the immoral clerical cronies whom Pope Francis has been consistently protecting throughout his pontificate and before it. Pick it up, Paul, from there. Wow. We're almost done. Yeah. The, uh, the act of raw power shows that that rule of law in the church is a farce. What are the other papal acts which... which uh, have been assailed with uh, within the last weeks. We have had the apostolic exhortation Laude Deum on the so-called climate crisis in which, as somebody has remarked, Pope Francis has gone full Greta Thun uh, Thunberg. <laughs> <laughs> the, the exhortation declares, it is no longer possible to disbelieve the, prim the primarily human cause of climate change. So many other articles of Christian belief have been shaken. But let us be glad that Pope Francis still upholds one dogma of unquestionable faith. Then there have been the further moral scandals we have seen. The fact that, for example, Cardinal Richard uh, Ricard of France has been allowed to keep his, his car, cardinalate in spite of having admitted molesting a 14-year-old girl years ago, or that Pope Francis has yet again, in the case of Bishop Gisana of Sicily, defended a bishop accused of protecting sexual abusers and has <clears throat> denigrated his accusers. All this is shocking, but what we need to look at is an event of graver consequence for the church. This is the 
overtly schismatical course of the German Sonata Way, which has proceeded with no attempt by Francis to check it or rebuke it. On the 3rd of November, the Bishop of Spire announced that he was authorizing the blessing of homosexual couples and compilings and compiling a list of priests in his diocese willing to perform them. Complete silence from Rome. Just a few days later came the announcement that Bishop Strickland of Tyler has been dismissed for failing to toe the modernist line. Here we see demonstrated with perfect symmetry the pattern of Pope Francis's pontificate. The heretic is protected and the faithful Catholic bishop is dismissed. Cardinal Mueller has publicly called Bishop Strickland's dismissal an abuse of the divine right of the papacy. A journalist has been prompted to describe this papacy as the pontificate of purges and to contrast Francis's practice with his professed slogan of mercy. Isn't that the truth? Mm. Uh, years ago, Henry Sire called Pope Francis the dictator pope. Time and again, this evaluation has been vindicated, and never more so than when Pope, when the Pope deposes a bishop without due process against canon law, and for no imaginable grave wrongdoing. He has combined uh, the I am uh, the hold that I thought, am hold the that tradition. thought. Hold that thought. We'll yeah. pick it up right there. Teaser. Jesus 911 two man car. Jess Romero, Paul Clay, speaking the truth in charity. Speaking the truth to power, no matter what. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888 526 2151. Jesus, 911, two-man car. We're talking about to this uh, well-written article by Henry Sire. Uh, and it talks about Pope Francis' his last 11 years. A lot of it's painful yeah. because me and Paul are faithful sons of the church. But again, if, uh, if, you knew, if you knew somebody in your family was doing something wrong, even though he had a higher a position of authority, your father, your grandfather, your grandmother, uh, at a given point in time, you have a moral obligation to confront them in charity, that that's yes. that's called yes. that's called in, in Christianity, paragraph uh, Catechism twenty four forty seven, fraternal correction. For example, if Paul Clay, if he knew that Jess Romero had a honey on the side, Paul would have a, you know, oh, I can't get involved in Jess's life, you know, let him do what he wants. Yeah. No, Paul would have a moral obligation. He knows me. He, he loves my soul. He knows my wife. He'd have to co- say, hey, dude, we need to have lunch. Yeah, what is it, Paul? Hey, dude, I heard you got a honey on the side. You got to knock this off, Jess. You got to stop it right now and go to confession. That's what fraternal correction is like. And it doesn't matter, uh, you know, the, the, the levels of relationship. Uh, uh, an inferior can, can uh, uh, ch- fraternally correct a superior if the superior is doing something wrong. That's Canon 212. For those of you that, that think Canon laws from God, no, it's from men, but Canon 212 says that we can do that. An inferior can correct a superior. So you're just wrong about that. Yeah. Paul, and as a matter of fact, yeah. Paul Paul the Apostle confronted Peter to his face. An inferior to a superior. Yep. 
Yeah, because Paul the Apostle knew that he had been grafted on as an apostle after the, the original 12 selection. And Paul also knew that the one that had the keys was Peter. And that's why he wanted to go check out his doctrine in Jerusalem with Peter, James, and John. He wanted to make sure that he was teaching the authentic gospel. So he wanted to confer and check his doctrine with these three giants, Peter being one of them. Mm -hmm. But when he saw Peter in hypocrisy, he rebuked him. And yes. rightfully so. Yes. So, yes. so let's, let, let, let's jump on over here. Uh, the, the Henry Sire writes, he, read, he writes uh, about uh, Pope Francis that he kind of has this mentality. Quote, that Pope Francis has combined the, quote, I am the tradition, close quote, mentality of Pius IX, uh, who basically said that to the, to the, to the uh, enemies of Europe, the enemies of the church, with the motto of Juan Perón, who was an Argentinian dictator for many years, his motto was, quote, to the friend, everything. To the enemy, not even justice. So Henry Sire says that this is basically the way Pope Francis operates. You know, I am yes. tradition, and to the friend, everything. To the enemy, not even justice. Serious as all this is, we need to pay more attention to the recently closed synod on synodality because it's the means by which Pope Francis is attempting to institutionalize his revolution. The first comment to make is that all these synods, including the two previous ones on the family, have been managed so as to enable a, cl a click of modernists to advance their program. Bingo. The development of the various synods of this pontificate, starting with the one on the family and finishing in resounding fashion with the latest, shows that the rules of the discussions and deliberations prepared before that with the selection of the participants themselves have been changed repeatedly so as to silence the obvious rejection on the part of the ecclesial majority. The process itself was designed to soften up the church for a revolution in the papal election. Hmm. Thus, we had, hmm. had bishops making declarations like, quote, it will be impossible from now on to hold a synod without lay participation, close quote. If that was so, people would also be demanding a papal election under similar conditions. The news stories disclosed that conversations had been in progress for months between the Pope and Cardinal Gerlanda to change the conclave rules. Cardinal Gerlanda, by the way, besides being a Jesuit, is a propounder of an extreme theological view of papal power, which makes him the ideal agent to entrench the regime of papal dictatorship. Jess, let's hold it up Pick right it up. there. Yeah. Because well, we're almost done. Finish it off and we, we can talk. We've got a couple minutes to talk. Finish it off. Okay. Okay. Uh, however, not all the papal news is made of Rome itself. One very significant development has come from Argentina in the shape of presidential election and the coming of Javier uh, Malay. Who's the new president in of Argentina. Yeah. Yes. In the first place, this was directly contrary to the policy of the church, which apparently on orders from Rome, had been canvassing openly against Malay and urging voters to vote against him. More particularly, Malay is a declared enemy of Pope Francis and has publicly insulted him, while his vice president, Victoria Villarreal, uh, is a traditionalist Catholic. Interesting. Um, what the events of the past few weeks have shown us is that Pope Francis is an old man in a hurry. It, he's desperate to institutionalize his revolution before he dies, and he'll stop at nothing to achieve that. 
so the answer to the question, how much lower can we sink, is that there's probably no limit to it. And we can expect to be scandalized by worse and worse enormities. However, Pope Francis needs to bear in mind that he's not in control of everything besides presidential elections in Argentina. Closer to home, there's one very traditional law that he has no power to repeal, and that's the law of hum human morality. Mortality. The final reality is... Mortality. Um, excuse me. My bad. Mortality. Human mortality. The final reality is that Pope Francis will not be here forever, but that Christ uh, has told us Behold, I am always, even to the consummation of the world. Jess, and you always say it, I'll say it again. We all have an appointment with Christ for the particular judgment. We will all have that exit interview. And mm -hmm. Pope Francis is no exception to that. And for those people who think that somehow you can turn a blind eye when somebody is obviously... Uh, you know, uh, swimming against the tide and the tide being, in this case, um, uh, the flow of the church for 2000 years, um, you're in for a rude awakening and you will be when you stand before your uh, your general. I mean, your particular judgment. Here's one one last paragraph that you forgot to, to share, Paul. I think you skipped it. It says okay. an Argentinian political expert. It's it's uh, for it's one, two. Four paragraphs from the bottom. An Argentinian okay. political expert, Professor Pereto, who stated in a recent interview that Melu's victory, who's now the president of Argentina, represents a rebuff to Bergoglio and confirms okay. what everybody knows. The Argentinians do not like Pope Francis and don't want him. For years now, when news about Bergoglio has appeared in newspapers and portals, the administrators find themselves obliged to close readers' comments, which are for the most part contemptuous and harsh. Many people may have thought that the rejection of Bergoglio was widespread only among those who read and kept informed. It has now been shown that it's, that it's present in all social strata, even among the poor. For that very reason, Bergoglio will never come to Argentina because his journey would be a failure. It is certain that the majority of the lower clergy, especially the younger priests, are sick of Bergoglio and don't want anything to do with him. A rejection which embraces everything that the Pope does and advocates. Wow. Paul, what Paul, he advocates. Henry Sire is not the only person that's written an academic book like this. You know, the dictator no. Pope. Here's another one. No. Here's another academic book by Philip Lawler. It's called Lost Shepherd. How Pope Francis is misleading the flock. Here's another academic journalist. Ross Douthat wrote a book, To Change the Church, Pope Francis and the Future of Catholicism. Here's another great journalist. George Neumeyer, rest in peace. The Political Pope, How Pope Francis is Delighting the Liberal Left and Abandoning Conservatives. Here's another academic from Brazil. Dr. Jose yes. Antonio Ureta. Pope Francis, Paradigm Shift. Yeah, Paul, what is it? Suffice to say, there is a litany there uh, of books that you can list that you can essentially list of people speaking yeah. up. I remember yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, reading a letter of a uh, of a hermit in Rome who spoke, you know, you know, basically pleading with the Pope down, you know. Uh, and that's uh, what we're all yes. doing, Paul. 
We're all pleading these books. We're all pleading these podcasts. We're all pleading for the Holy Father to, as it says in Luke to Peter, confirm the brethren in their faith. Holy Father, confirm us in our faith and and hand on to us the traditions that were handed on to you by word and letter. That's all we're asking. But there are some people say, you guys are anti-pope. No, we're not. I pray for the pope every day in my rosary and at mass. I pray for him every single day. But again, yes. uh, for those people that think canon law is scripture, canon okay. law says yes. we can do this. Canon two twelve. Jess, so 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 let's look at it like this, Jess. Before we, you know, you can compare, you know, the Pope to the, you know, uh, and and the and, and uh, the pontificate to Israel when they had when they talked in Isaiah twenty two, uh, where uh, the, we talk about the master of the house. This is what the Lord says. Thus says the Lord God, uh, uh, come to the steward to Shebna who is over the household and say to him. What have you to do here, and whom have have you here that have come here? Uh, that have excuse me. What have you to do here, and whom have you here that you have hewn here for yourself? And then he says, uh, "You who hew a tomb on the height and carve the habitation for yourself in the rock." He says, "You shame." Of your master's house, I will thrust you from your office, and you will be cast down from your station. In that day, I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with your robe. So the whole thing here is: this is the master of the house of of, of David, the one who holds the key, and God is telling him he has shamed the house. It is possible to be at the top of the food chain. Jess and to shame the house. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, exactly, and that's what's happening right here, uh, Paul. Go, go, yeah. go back and read it in Isaiah twenty-two. Just go back and read it. Okay, there's nothing new under the sun. Solomon said. Okay, this has happened before in in, in the past. It will happen again. Amen. God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Psalm 69, verse 2, St. Father DePio says, Pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful, and God will hear your prayer. That's a wrap. Jesus 911. We're putting the spotlight of truth upon this culture of death. And let's continue, we'll continue to speak the truth to power and live without fear. Up next, Gary Machuda, hands on apologetics. As for us, we are EOW, end of watch. We are out. God bless you. Keep the faith.